Today's guest is Wendy Euler. I first met Wendy a couple of years ago back at a health summit in LA. Yes, the famous Goop Health Summit for all of you Gwyneth and Goopies out there. Our connection was instant, sparked by our passion for wellness, our love of both Australia and America, fun fact, Wendy splits her time between the two, and of course our penchant for car karaoke after a few glasses of rosé. Balance, right? Wendy was 49 years young when she left a career in advertising and created her business Goodbye Crop Top, an online platform and essentially a movement aimed at filling the void for positive representations of ageing women in the media. She'd noticed a lack of women over 40, not to mention 50, being portrayed positively in print, television and social media. A self-proclaimed aged activist, Wendy's mission is to inspire women to really embrace their authentic selves and recognise the power that comes with ageing gracefully. Wendy leads a community of empowered women who embody both style and substance and she hosts a popular podcast, Cropped, a place where women of any age, but especially those with a few extra crow's feet, can come for camaraderie, validation, information and style. In today's episode, we talk about the importance of living in alignment with oneself. She discusses her non-negotiables and how to push through on the messy days. Wendy brings fresh insights along with laughter, fears and tears to the table a table on which her broken foot rests in a moon boot throughout this entire chat, but more about that later. Enjoy this beautiful chat with Wendy. Hello and welcome. My name is Steph Prem and I'm your host for Mindful Mess, a podcast where we speak with some of Australia's favourite sporting, health and business personalities about how they find balance in today's world. Mindful Mess is proudly sponsored by Medibank. You're only human and what an incredible human you are. Testing, testing Mm -hmm. with Wendy. God. I can't believe we're I here. I can't believe it. I'm so happy. I'm, I'm so, so happy. How did this even work out? Right? I mean, we met across the street. This is so crazy. Four years ago? Five years ago? Something? So a few years ago? We're, we're in Los Angeles yes. right now having yes, this we interview. Are. We met in Los Angeles. Yeah. When was it? Before the world ended? Oh, way before. Pre-COVID? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's been four. I think 2018? 2019? Yeah. At the Goop Wellness Festival. Yes. We both booked in to do the VIP package, yeah, which was this package around the festival itself mm-hmm. where we got, I think it was about 30 women. Was that about right? I think 30, 40. Yeah. yeah. That, you know, had this three-day experience. Which was amazing. It was. Because of you and my <laughs> new Australian friends I met there. So, right? You know, it was amazing. I mean, that was meant to be. It was so meant to be. And we've wow. stayed in touch ever since. Yeah. And we were so aligned with our thoughts and feelings in the health and wellness space. And we all work in a similar space, but come Completely. at it from so many different angles. But yeah. we, we were staying at the hotel just across the road. Yeah. And we both just happened to be in LA this week. Crazy. And here Full you circle. are now. Here we are. Welcome I'm to. I'm so happy. I'm so happy you're here, Wendy. Welcome to Mindful Mess. Mindful Mess. That is one of those moments where I'm, it's like, why didn't I think of that name? That's so good stuff. Mindful Mess. <laughs> well, I think. I mean, aren't we all a mess, really? We are. <laughs> Anything we should talk about it more often. I mean, smoke and mirrors out there on Instagram, but aren't we all a right. total mess? Yeah. yeah, the show reel of life, <laughs> you know, the highlight reel that yeah. is Instagram. But I think, you know, we're all in search of mindfulness yes. to a point or finding 
the ness over the mess. I, but mm-hmm. I think we live in the mess most of the time and we should get more comfortable speaking about the chaos, even though we need the calm and we need balance. Mm-hmm. And I think it's this relentless pursuit of happiness. Yeah, you know, what does that mean? And calm mean? and balance. What does yeah, that mean, right? Yeah. But it comes a lot from these messy spaces. For sure. You know, I, I was just telling my older daughters, actually I've told them this many times, that no good story comes from perfect. Every good yes. laugh, every good bit of depth, everything good comes from an imperfect story. Mm-hmm. It, you have mm-hmm. the perfect story. The bus is on time and then you make it to work and it, that's boring, mm-hmm. right? That's boring. So that helps me to embrace the messy moments. I love that. The you detours, I mean? the yeah. reroutes, yeah. the things that, I mean, a perfect example, if you don't mind me mentioning, you, you turned up today in a moon boot. Yeah, I guess I did. <laughs> yep. You're injured. Broke some bones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you poor thing. Jeez. Oh. Yeah, but always like a couple things on the moon boot. Is, you know, I always tell my daughters, if it's something from which you can recover, move through it. Get, get over it. It can usually be worse, mm-hmm. for starters. And two, I just stepped off the sidewalk wrong, and I broke three bones in my foot. And oh. I looked at this foot, looked at myself, looked down at myself in bed the next day, and I thought, I know exactly why this happened. I think one of my angels, and I think I know exactly which one, just you know, touched me on the shoulder and said, you need to slow down. You need to change direction again. I can't tell you how many times I've had to change my direction, not only in my personal life, but in with goodbye crop top and everything I'm doing. So I really embraced that. It hurt. It was terrible. I had to fly internationally two days later for a wedding. But if you embrace these shitty moments, <laughs> what the can imperfections, be, the, the imperfections, the, the mess, yeah. and trust and really trust that the plan is bigger than than you mm-hmm. and life is working for you not against, not against you. you and i know easier said than done and definitely easier at 54 now than it was at 34 or even 44 but i think i'm finally there i think this was a real eye opener for me this injury what can you do what can you do you know, was, my best friend had an accident recently as well, and she out, was out jogging, had a fall. And we're not used to falling as adults either, right? So it can be oh, really... Yeah. The tension alone when you fall, it can hurt you, you know? Right? The, yeah. Your body ah. panics. Yeah. And she had this fall, and she's an, an ex-athlete as well, and she rang me and she just said, you know what, Steph? I've been benched again. Oh my <laughs> I've God. been put on the bench. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. coach has taken me off the field again because I'm just been running hot and I'm not looking after myself. And her and I refer to this all the time because we're just such go-getters and we're like always operating at 110%. And I just loved her example of being benched. Yeah. And I was like, it's so true. It's so true. It slows you down. That's Trust what injuries the do. coach. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. And I mean, I have a history of injury as yes, well. I can do. relate. And at the oh. time, I thought it was the worst thing that could possibly happen to me. And it stopped my career. Yeah. But it sent me on this amazing path. But at the time, it was really hard to sit in that space. Yes. And hindsight's a beautiful thing, but it gave me time and space to think about where I wanted to go next and what I wanted to do. And I I never would have had that without my injury. Yeah. And now if and when it happens again, never to that extreme, Mm. you know, Mm. I know what you went through. It's horrible. But then you sit in it 
better. And and you get better, not bitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I love that phrase. I think that's a book called you better, know, not get bitter. better. D- don't get bitter, get better. Well, maybe your next podcast could be called that. <laughs> maybe. I think it's already trademarked. Darn. All the good ones are taken now. Mindful mess. Uh, <laughs> better had, not come bitter. On. Goodbye crop top is a brilliant name. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's like, why did no one think of that? It's genius. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm glad you understand. And now it. you've got cropped. Yep. Cropped. The podcast. Midlife Minute. A I, short little five minute uh, inspiration. Uh, but like we've talked about before, um, and I think it was actually a Peloton instructor, Robin Arzone, who said, motivation, inspiration, is it's elusive. It slips through your hands. So it is inspirational, but I do like to send people away with tangible to-do lists, you mm-hmm. know, things you can actually do to make that day better or your life better or, or something. Because you can talk about the whys and the, you know, throw the information out there all the time, but what's the how? What's mm-hmm. the how? Well said. Always question your why and your intention. But then how? How do I do that? You know? And I try to keep my space realistic and not unattainable because I feel like social media and certain people and things you look at and take in are really unattainable. And I think that can be very toxic for uh, just a regular gal, (laughs) which I feel like I am, you know, and I don't want to, um, I don't know. I don't want to portray anything that's not doable or, or real. And so anyway, hopefully I'm doing an okay job of that. I think you do. I think that's exactly what resonates. I think you're real, you're very raw, you're aspirational, but you're relatable. Thank you. And that's what makes you so interesting. And that's like when we first met, that's the first thing I I found about you. You are what is known as an age activist. Mm. Yeah. You know, like what's an age activist? Mm. Well, I'll back up and say that I started Goodbye Crop Top. um, It'll be five years in November. Mm -hmm. So right after this will air probably. Uh, Five years. And I started it because I come from media and marketing and advertising, and I was looking everywhere for any kind of style inspiration or middle-aged words of wisdom or anything. And um, my whole life, I've loved to write, and I love style. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to give it a go, as you say in Australia, and I'm going <laughs> to combine these two passions and start writing and putting content out to create some age positivity and and like I said, I just couldn't find anything. Either either the women were trying to look 30 at 50, which is unattainable. It's not realistic. Or they were curling up in a ball and throwing in the towel because menopause happened or empty nest or divorce or parents' deaths or all these things that <laughs> really hit you hard in midlife. But I thought there's this chasm out there. There's this huge hole. And no one's saying like, I'm, I was 49 at the time and I was going, this is the best time of my life. Like I've never been more fit. I've never been more healthy. I've never you know, flip the bird more to certain situations and things. I just don't care. I stopped caring in all the right ways and started yes. caring, you know, stopped caring in all the wrong ways. You know, I started caring about things that matter. And I went on a hike with a friend and she said, you need to talk about this. We finished the hike and she said, not every woman feels this way. And I said, I know, you know, so I literally just went for it and started it. I read Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, two times in a week. And um, she really gave me the 
that book really was the impetus or the last final kick I needed to get going on it. And so age activist, you know, back to the question, I, that's what it is. I just, it is the best time of our lives and, or it can be. And we're, we're wiser, we're more experienced, Mm. we're, you know, in every way. And I think you just stop caring so much about the bullshit. Mm. And so there you have it. That's, I, you know, hopefully I've answered your question, but. You have. I can it's, go all over the place with. No, I think we need more age activists. Yeah, and I hate the words anti-aging. You will never see me holding a bottle or doing a campaign or anything. Anti-aging is dying. I don't really want to be in a box or an urn quite yet. And I'm <laughs> I'm anti-anti-aging. You know, it's from the patriarch. It's like, it's a a mess. And I feel like these people are preying on the weak and the depressed, which is menopausal women and really making vulnerable vulnerable exactly and making us in this category of trying to you know this midlife thing making us feel so bad that we want to buy all this expensive anti-aging stuff and you know <laughs> no bottle's going to make you <laughs> nothing in a bottle no cream in a bottle is going to make you look 30 or feel 30 so it's from the inside out and i firmly believe that i think when we first met that was something that stood out to me. You said something along the lines of, it was about substance and it was about it coming from from the inside out. Mm. Even though you work in style, you know, mm-hmm. you, 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 you look so stylish today, you, you, know, t- you turn up looking so fabulous. But that's a big part of your personality too. Like you, you have this charisma and resonance about you and, you know, it's not just the way you dress. It's absolutely about what you give off. Mm. You know, and it, I think that's what I get back from you and what others can pick up from you is this positivity or this, like you have a message and I think it it comes through. Mm-hmm. And I think you're very ageless. Thank you. You know, and that's something that we can all learn from. Oh, thanks, Steph. Because I think we're put into these categories mm-hmm. and no matter which bracket you're in, mm-hmm. I think everyone struggles with a bit of, age with like there's a stigma right there's this I mean I went when I left sport I went into the health and wellness industry or the fitness industry in Australia you know sport was all about um it wasn't aesthetic you know sport is about performance it's about Mm. how how your body works and how your body performs and keeping your body in great shape physically mentally emotionally psychologically to perform it's about performance yes you know it was never about like I can only imagine uh, yeah. yeah, but it was never about how you looked, Yeah, you know. So, like, when I shifted out of sport, like, you know, I've always been uh, fit and healthy. It's something but that was part of my job. But then when I was injured, I wasn't, you know, I lost a lot of my health and that's what led me back to the health and fitness industry. But then I got there and it was full of influential or influencers mm-hmm. in their 20s mm-hmm. telling women how they should look. Ugh. And I really struggled with it. Yeah. Because that's never how I came to enjoy health and fitness. Right. It was from a place of joy and performance right. and athletic ability. You yeah. know, and strength. Strength. Yeah. Such a place of strength. Strength. Where yeah. power. Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, not about how you look. And yeah. you know, we were talking about it off air, like you're saying in in your industry too, you know, in the work that you do, like a lot of women really struggle to be in their power yeah. in their forties, yes. in their fifties. How do they get that power back? You know, what what are some tools you can yeah. give to us? I think a few things. And I 
really believe we are we are who we surround ourselves with, right? So who are you hanging out with? Mm-hmm. Who are you sitting across from at lunch, uh, in your work, where, wherever you are? Is it someone who makes you feel bad about yourself? I mean, and I, I always say that the famous Eleanor Roosevelt quote, which I've drilled into my daughters, is that no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. And I <sighs> believe that. But inevitably, we're human, and they do. So who are you hanging around with? I now hang around with people that I skip away from feeling good about the things I've said and the way I look and everything else. And the way you look and your style is a reflection of what's going on inside of you. I mean, let's just face it, right? So I think that. Let's start with who you're hanging around with. Kick the dicks to the curb. I mean, like, really, we're done, right? Can I cuss and say profanities on this podcast? We're taking that right now. Kick the dicks. Kick the dicks (laughs) to the curb. And really find and covet and nurture those people, those friends and family members, whoever it might be, that that inspire you and that you learn things from and that you teach and that you help. So that's for starters. You're in a circle. You're in a circle. So important. Yes. And I think that's the beauty of aging is that friendships fall off. Things that aren't healthy fall off. It doesn't have to be a bad breakup. It can just be an amicable, we've gone different directions and lots of that happens. And another thing is, I, I talk to a lot of women through mm-hmm. my platform and I've heard everything over these past five years and and it's sad and it it breaks my heart, but I I talk a lot about have you just gone back to basics, right? Have you gone back to the basics? Because mm-hmm. everyone's looking for this magic cure, whether it's in a bottle or in a, you know, in something external, like, oh, this will make everything better. Or this will make every, this will make me look younger. Or this, okay, here's the deal. The pill, the magic potion, the, magic pill. the elixir. I wish there was one. Are you taking care of your basics? And what I mean by that, Steph, is are you, are you moving your body every day? Are you drinking your water every day? Are you, do you have some kind of spiritual practice? For me, that's important. Mm-hmm. And I, it can be music. For me, my spiritual practice, oftentimes, and you and I share this, and we've had great moments with music together, <laughs> yes. music. So are you drinking your water? Are you moving your body? Do you have some kind of spiritual practice? Are you hanging around with really badass people? Like, are you doing those things? Start there. Tick those boxes first. And then whatever else, you know, you need to go do. But I feel like my point here is so many people just aren't ticking the basic boxes. Sleeping, and I know that's hard during menopause, but do what you can to sleep. And I find if you're doing the other four things, sleep comes better, even during menopause, which is a beast. And I know it is, but does that answer your question? It's so, it is. It's so yeah. simple. It's, it's I have I, similar conversations in my industry, because it's everyone's looking for the magic pill. Everyone wants to lose five kilos yesterday or <sighs> look a certain way or feel a certain way, but you have to do the work. Yeah. And I think people forget, or they're waiting for the answers and we look externally a lot of the time for mm-hmm. someone to give us, like you said, the answer or the, the pill, uh-huh. <laughs> or whatever it is, uh-huh. the cream. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the serum. Yeah, the serum. The, yeah. It's the vitamin, the thing, the and I do some of that stuff too, I'm, which I'm happy to talk about, but it's not my answer. Correct. It's not where my power comes from. Correct. It comes from self-care. It yeah. comes from looking. Well, we have to take a huge responsibility for ourselves. Yes. And, and I think sometimes we're not willing to do that. 
But when we do, like you said, and we go back to basics and we do the things that make us feel like our best selves, the yeah. non-negotiables. Yes. And anyone that's worked with me knows I'm obsessed with the non-negotiables. You and I have bonded over yeah. this. It's the things we do for ourselves on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis that we come back to. And what you do, I mean, you and I are similar. We bond over very similar things. But what yeah. you do might feel different to me and that's okay because yeah. that's my practice. That's right. And what you do might feel good to you. And your 30 minutes of movement a day might look different to my 30 totally. minutes a day. But we still have to physically move sometimes our bodies. Sometimes only 20. 20 yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's 15, but I do it. And it is that consistency, isn't it? It it's is the consistency. consistency. It is not, there's no big lose 15 pounds in two weeks thing. It is consistency. And it's about like what you were saying as an athlete, we need to have more of the mentality of how is my body operating? Not what does my body look like? Exactly. Because if you concentrate on how your body is strongest and operating, mm-hmm. you'll look good. Well said. And you know why you'll look good? Because you're so confident, like a lion on the inside, rawr, you know, like you, you'll look good because you feel good. And it is hard work. You know, people are like, how do you look like this? I work my fucking ass off. That's how I work hard on my mental health and my physical health. It doesn't just like come naturally. And I've had a lot of hard knocks in my life. And that's not a pity party. I'm so grateful for all of it. You know, my favorite people are the ones that have been completely knocked down to the studs and rebuilt themselves. Again, that's where the stories are. That's where the true inspiration comes from. That's, That's the where magic. The tangibles come from. That's where the. But even in those moments, this is exactly like I think what you just said resonates. It's the consistency. Yes. You can still be doing all of those other practices. You can yes. still be doing all of those things. Like yep. on the worst days, and I, I work with like a lot of athletes or like people like yourself, like we're, we're all very driven, right? Mm. Like, or business leaders, but like any good athlete that's had a long career you know, they're almost like they're quite ritualistic about you know, whether it be their morning routine yeah. or the little things that they do before every yeah. race. And I, th- I think we have to learn from that. It's it's those things that you do consistently. It is. That make you feel like your best self. And we can't rely on motivation. Like you say, you just have to do the work. You, you have, have to turn up. Yeah. You have to turn up. It's the doing. And it is. And I have this now, you know, a lot of days I wake up. So before, and Lauren Roxborough, our mutual friend, mm. told me this. Before your feet hit the ground, you put your intentions in place for the day. So I do that now. And I think a lot about my three daughters. And I think, okay, what's going on with Palmer? What's going on with Coco? What's going on with Georgia? Think of those things so I can go write them down immediately that I can be there for them. Then I think, okay, Wendy, what do you need to work on today? Were you impatient yesterday? Are you, do you need to drink more? What, what is it that I, and I think about that. You do this every morning? Every morning. And then I think of the things I'm grateful for. Love this. And then my feet hit the floor. And then I start my day. And it works. But it's a practice. And what I was going to say is, when I'm in my best space or my best game, my A game, there's a little voice in my head in every moment that says, is that the best choice for you? Is this the best choice for you? Whether it's reaching for something I shouldn't be eating because I have a big job coming up or whatever. And and if you do if you live that way, one it does keep you in the moment and mindful. That is mindfulness. That is. is being in that moment. And sometimes, guess what? I reach for the third glass of wine because that's what's best for me in that moment. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not. I live and I like to have fun and 
you know, that doesn't necessarily mean alcohol all the time, but I'm saying like, sometimes I like to have a little too much fun and it's worth it to be tired the next day. (laughs) But the joy is worth it. The joy is worth it. And and have that dance or do that thing. But I, I'm not saying don't have fun in your life, but but what are the disciplines you need? And all of our disciplines are, I mean, the basics are the same, I will say. But mm-hmm. then beyond that, are they, they're different. And the things that, bring, the us things that joy bring you joy are different. But But really, you know, think. Just think. Just pause before you... Do something that might not be good for you or say something you don't mean. Because so one true. thing I've learned is wor- you can't take words back. I mean, words hurt. They hurt. So think, pause, breathe, be in the moment. And it's hard. I don't do it every day, you know, every minute of every day. But I do try to practice that now. And that's, that's a new thing in the past three or four years. You know, I wish someone would have, I wish I would have been capable of doing this in my 20s or 30s. I just wasn't. I'm, I will openly admit I wasn't either. You learn it from not having it. Yeah. I think you learn it from making those mistakes and yeah. putting yourself in situations where you're like, I could have managed that better. I mean, yeah. I think what you just spoke about is the highest form of mindfulness. It's, you said it, it's awareness. And I think it's that awareness, like you just said, it's really of that internal dialogue. It's like that conversation we have with ourselves yeah. on a daily basis. Yeah. And it can work against us sometimes. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And I think, especially as women, and I hate saying that, but we can be really hard on ourselves. Oh, for sure. So hard. And I am some days. Right. I'm not, you know, it's just. So let me ask you, on those yeah. days, mm. if you're comfortable sharing, mm, right, when sure. there's days when. And you admit, you admit it, I admit, we have horrible days. We can't live like that all the time. It's like yeah. the active pursuit, right, is where we yeah. need to live. But it's like when mindfulness feels so out of reach, <laughs> what are your strategies? I what think, do you draw on on those days, yeah, Wendy? My biggest strategy, the thing that gets me through a shitty day, mm-hmm. is knowing there's a better one coming. <sighs> I mean, that's really it. I just go, today sucks. And I know there's a better one coming. And then you really hold on to that better day and those better moments because the shitty ones are coming again too. Yes. It's, it's a ride. It's, you know, it's that simple thing of it's not the what, it's the how. The what is going to be thrown at your ass every day. Boom, 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 boom. You know, I feel like I'm just, some days you're like, well, I can't look left or right without getting slapped down. Mm-hmm. And I know better times are coming, and I know we must go through that to see the better days. Does that, I mean. No, there's great peace in that. There's great peace in that. It's sort of like what I said about the broken foot. It sucked. It hurt. It was terrible. It interfered with so many things I had going on. But I know if I just keep believing and trusting that the universe has a plan for me, I believe that. I, I deeply believe that and I've seen it in action. And you and I talk about this mm-hmm. personally about how what you think about, where your thoughts go, manifest. So I think in those shitty days, you go, okay, I'm going to go to a better day soon. That, mm. that, it's that simple. It's a reframe. It's a reframe. And then suddenly kind of the day turns around. And then you find those small me. positive moments, the little nuggets. things. Yeah. That we need to find. I, this sounds so cliche and maybe, be, I, I mean, but go do something for someone else on your shitty days. 
Yeah, that is the medicine. I mean, you know, to that point, is anything altruistic? I don't know. But like, go do something for someone else. You'll feel better. The act of giving. The act of giving. Because I think because when we give to others, we get better at giving back to ourselves as sure. well. It teaches yeah. us. As long as you don't cross that border, which you and I are both guilty of, of giving too much mm-hmm. and not doing anything. But we, we've had that conversation too, that doing it responsibly yes. and having and good having boundaries. boundaries. <laughs> having boundaries, have your boundaries. But that, I mean, that's so overused and cliche, but God, have boundaries. And that's taken me a long time to learn. Oh. But um, yeah, I think that's it. So in a shitty day, no, better ones are coming and, and, and maybe go do something for someone else that will make them feel good because there's nothing that feels better than, than that. I love that. I think we, we've had this conversation before, but like, I mean, we say psychologist, but you would over here, you say therapist, but you've, you've lived between Australia and, and yeah, America, yeah, yeah. you know, and I think it's, it's a lot more uh, acceptable to have a therapist, mm-hmm. you know, over in America, everyone openly talks about their conversations. It's like having a toothbrush. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Do you brush your teeth? Do you have a therapist? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously. But I love that. Yeah. I think it's, and I, I'm a, you know, I can't, again, from sport, like I, I had a sports psychologist, you train your brain the same way you would train your physical body, you yeah. know, to be in your best state. But it, there's, there's still a lot of stigma around that. Yeah. And you've lived between the two. Have you noticed a, a difference between the two countries? Yeah. Their, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm also noticing that it, it is becoming more acceptable, isn't it? I think in Australia, mm-hmm. from what I'm seeing, and my friends there, and yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been going back and forth between Australia for 11 years, and definitely a big shift since mm. then, and definitely since the pandemic hit, which I think was very humbling, and I think people realized oh, wait a minute, Uh, you know, I need someone to help me navigate this. I I hate the words, I can't get through this because you can. So I need someone to help me navigate this with an objective viewpoint who, you know, can really sit down and help me dive deep into the tools I need and understand. The minutiae of what's actually going on. what to me as a kid and why I behave this way. And it's important to understand that and to not pass that on to anyone. I mean, anyone around you or your own family. But yeah, I've I've noticed a, a shift into it being more acceptable in Australia. What do you think? I agree. Yeah. I I think you're spot on with your timeline as well. I think COVID really helped us open up these kind of conversations and Mm -hmm. these conversations are so important. Mm -hmm. And I think women like yourself make it easier for other women. And I think that's important, even just having the conversations or giving people the courage to ask better questions and want to seek help. Yeah. And to find a good therapist or a psychologist Mm. is tough. I have one. I, look, my life is not perfect, Steph, as you know. And I have my challenges, and I have my battles, and I've got, I've got, I've got it all too. I like, you know, and that's why I see. I'm going to go on a little tangent. I see all these people on Instagram or TikTok or whatever. Everything's perfect. I mean, it's like fucking. I can't. You'll never see the same tone or hue in my Instagram feed. It's always random. I mean, I put up these visceral, random, crazy things. And they're always the ones that resonate. It's when I try too hard or it's too contrived where people are like, eh, I, I don't know. Isn't that but, interesting? People yeah. can pick up on that. Yeah. They can feel that. But oh, when you're vulnerable crazy. and when you're honest, and I yeah. mean, you know, I, you know, I follow you. I love, I know you anyway. Yeah. But I think it's such a true representation of you. And oh, I love when you give us that you. because yeah. it takes us on that ride with you. It's raw. And I think that's why I've gained the trust because no one thinks I'm trying to ram a brand down their throat or do mm-hmm. a, and there's a time and place for that. And I, but I just, for me, it doesn't, it just doesn't feel very good. But okay, I went on a tangent and forgot what we were talking about. Well, you were saying that. like on TikTok and on oh, Instagram. No, 
Yeah. yeah. It can seem perfect, yeah. right? This Oh, it just, it's exhausting and it's not real. And I think it's really toxic for people to see that because nothing's perfect. Zero is perfect. And I guarantee you, trying to portray this perfect life on Instagram, that's a shit show behind the scenes. Like that, that in and of itself is, it, it's just, it's so hard to manage anyway. But um, therapists. So I was just going to say, I don't think anyone should be ashamed of therapy. I've been in therapy since I was a kid. And I asked my mom to go to therapy when my parents divorced. I said, I need to talk to somebody. And I'm 13. My world was turned upside down. And and thank God, because just the path I I just can't be more grateful for everything that's happened in my life, good and bad. But you can find, just make sure you find the right one, because I've been through some good ones and bad ones. And I'm a very spiritual deep feeler, thinker. So not only did I want the clinical aspect of psychology, my therapist is a PhD in psychology. She's also a spiritual intuitive. So she combines these things. She lets me feel my way through things. She understands me. It's not by the book of, and a lot of stuff is by the book. I think the clinical stuff is really important to help you dissect your past, your history. But for me, I need the person who goes, oh, wait a minute, there's someone here that wants to talk to you, you know? And at first that freaked me out. And I'm like, yes, like, you know, my best friend died when I was 26. And she also was a big motivator in me doing this because I held her feet when she took her last breath of air and it changed me forever at 26 years old. And I didn't even <laughs> realize how deeply it changed me until, uh, until you know, the past 20 years or so. But I but I think, find the right one. Uh, my husband says I'm out with the fairies, whatever. I enjoy being out with the fairies. And, you know, research that. Because I think there's some that'll not only cover the clinical diagnosis, but the really yummy stuff. And sometimes <laughs> the yummy stuff comes from being out with the fairies and giving yourself permission to whatever you want to call it. That's so Australian of your husband to say being out with the fairies, mm -hmm. by the way. <laughs> but that space to explore what works for you. Like you said, it's not always by the book. You have to be open-minded to it, to understand it, mm -hmm. right? And I think, like you said, the clinical work's important because we need to have better awareness. We all do. We yes. all need better self-awareness and, and to understand things. And cases. Of course. Of, you know. And yeah. And then there's so much stuff outside of that that we can explore and you can learn. You know, I had another girlfriend on the podcast the other day and she was talking about when she was injured and she was like, you have to research and you have to read and you have to find people that want to help you and you feel like they want to help you and mm -hmm. they understand mm -hmm. you and you you feel seen and you feel heard. Mm. And that's such a huge part of not just life, but the journey and healing and feeling your best self. And it's exactly going back to your first point about yeah the people around you. Yeah. If they're not uplifting and inspiring you or understanding you or yeah. hearing you, then they're not the right people for you. Well, you just said the word feeling a ton of times. And I, gosh, if there's one thing I'm trying to instill in my daughters is that your feelings are right. They are accurate and they are your North Star. A, an intuition and a gut feeling and a feeling. And the only times... The only regrets, which I don't really have any, but I guess that's the, really the only way I can frame it, is when I haven't gone with my gut and mm. I knew I should. And now I do. And my therapist says, feel your way through it. Don't think your way through life. Feel your way through life. I mean, down to if you open the door of an Uber and your 
feeling says, do not get in that car, do not get in that car. And that's sort of metaphorical to everything, to like- Feelings uh, are valid. Feelings are, are warranted. That's your, that's your life. Like, let go and go with it. You know, if, you, if someone makes you feel bad, there's a reason. Or I just, God, the feeling you have, we all have it. That's such a good point. And to listen to it and to trust it. it. Listen to your intuition. And it comes back to permission, giving ourselves permission to really mm -hmm. not take on what everyone else is thinking and saying and Mm -hmm. doing and coming back to that inner voice sometimes Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. we have to trust and listen to and feel, like Mm -hmm. you said. So if you took us back to, I mean, you, you speak about your daughters a lot. How old are your daughters? 20, 17, and 8. Wow. I know. So if you could take yourself back to, you know, (laughs) I know, right. (laughs) If you could go back, right, say, let's say 20 years, 30 years, Mm -hmm. whatever it might be. But, you know, uh, like you said, we don't want to say regrets, but would you do anything differently? I would not. I mean, I wish I could bring my friends back who have passed away. I wish I could, Mm. you know, all those things, but I wouldn't Mm. do anything differently. I wouldn't have, and I've handled some things in a pretty shitty manner in my lifetime, but I wouldn't do it different because here's where I am. Here's where I love. Here's where I want to be. And that's what got you to where you are now. Yeah, I think. And just, you, you finally get some courage, you know? And to that point of younger women, like I am completely remiss if I am not fully giving younger generations of women something to look forward to. And we did not have that. I did not have that. 54 was old and done and, you know, and I'm like, I am just beginning here. You know, Mm. I'm just beginning to hang around with people who see me. And a lot of my old friends have evolved to see me and I see them. I'm lucky for that. But like. It's a privilege. I I am. I, I feel. And someone asked me like in a recent podcast, how old do you feel? And I said, I feel 54. And I love it. Like. I feel 54 because feelings, like we just talked about feelings, but in a different way, it's, it's your mindset. It's your, it's your gumption. It's your grit. It's your courage. It's your ability to tell people to go, you know, it, <laughs> go it, jump. It, if they're, yeah. And I, I feel 54 and I, I, and I want to be 54. I don't want to go back and be a different age, but I do think this new movement, this, age activism, this anti-anti-aging, we did not have this group of women to look up to when I was young. And I was just featured in a, in a news article and the, the gal who interviewed me is, is Gen Z. <laughs> and she said, I'm so inspired by this. I want to write about it. I want to put it in. I thought, now we're winning. Now you've made a difference. Now we're winning. It is the greatest single thing that has happened since I launched Goodbye Crop Top is a Gen Z young woman saying, I can't get enough of you. And I want to hear more of this voice. I want to hear more of the 40 plus because it gives me something to look forward to and not completely dread. That is powerful. Yeah. It's powerful. It was a real big moment for me. Congratulations. Thank you. And not because of the hype and not because of the, but because of who was asking me the questions and who was excited about it. And I thought, now I'm winning because it it does no good 
this, what I'm doing does no good if younger women aren't motivated and excited about aging and what comes with that. I love that. I, I mean, I think that's what you do. I mean, that is your, your life's work now is you give a platform to the important and often marginalized voices of women of a certain age. But it's nice to see it from the other way around that you're coming at it from this new generation yeah. too. It's not just for the... I love it. <sighs> I love it. I, I wish there was more on television in bigger spaces to demonstrate this. It's really interesting. I, and I've entertained a couple of different sort of reality things on TV and that just, just wasn't right for me. But I have ideas, you know, that um, we need to be heard on a really big scale, on the grand level. And we're making progress. I, I think we're finally busting through. But, you know, three or four years ago, even people would, people don't want to see old women on TV or older women or, you know, and I'm just thinking, but come on, come on. I mean, so unrealistic. Right. And uh, there's a time and place for real housewives. I've never even really watched many, but there, there, there should be also the opposite of that. (laughs) And, and the irony, real, the real, real. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The anti-real housewives, like you do the anti-anti-aging, we'll do the anti-anti-real housewives. The anti-anti-real housewives, (laughs) yeah. And again, I don't want to diss on them. I know it's entertaining. Absolutely not. There's room for all of us, right? There's room for everything. Mm -hmm. And and that is such a good point. There's, you know, I remember when I was interviewing people on my podcast, now I've switched the format, but I asked this woman and she goes, oh, I just feel it's too competitive. I'm like, but aren't we, like aren't we supposed to come together here? Like the voice is louder, the more people with the right message in the right direction. And I thought, wow, people, I mean, I, that just, that I'm lost on that. I'm, I'm very similar to you. I'm very competitive in, uh, obviously I come from sports, so I'm yeah. naturally, I am naturally <laughs> messing with competitive. You, sure. No, but yeah. I don't see women as competition. No. And that's, that's where I think we we get ourselves in trouble and we become part of the problem yeah. when we're putting ourselves up against each other because yeah. there's so much room. There's room for everyone. And we can you all know, learn from each other. Comparison is absolutely the thief of all joy. It's my favorite quote. Yes. Theodore Roosevelt. We've Theft quoted Eleanor joy. Roosevelt earlier. <laughs> Keep it in the Roosevelt family today. But it it just robs you. I And, oh, this is interesting. So... Also, in a recent interview, I was asked, who do you view to be your competitors? Who are your... I said, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I know women I love following mm. because it makes me feel good and it gives me ideas. And But I don't view anyone as a competitor. I And maybe I should. <laughs> maybe that's why I'm sort of last in the race here in some ways. But um, I just don't. I, I said, I can't answer that question. I don't think that makes you last in the race. I think that makes you courageous. (laughs) I think that makes you brave. I think that puts you at the forefront, if anything else. And it gives other women permission to do the same thing. So I don't want to hear you say that. I know. Actually, that was, I caught myself. No, you caught yourself. But it was a beautiful answer because you're right. Because you're like, that's not how I see it. I don't. And that's I genuinely don't. And if I see someone sort of in my space, in this space, succeeding, I'm happy. I'm so happy that a mid, middle-aged woman is succeeding 
at something or their goals because that's exactly what I'm fighting for. So I don't get jealous by that or I don't get, I just go, yes, you know, this is exactly what we're fighting for and you've done it. I'm happy for you. You've done it. You're in the New York Times. I'm happy for you because that's all I really care about. I mean, I just want to have a loud voice and be an advocate for pro-aging and 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 if I'm doing that, then I mean that's all I can do. I can wake up and do my best every day. And some days are worse than others, you know, just in a in a God, I don't feel like doing anything, but tomorrow will be better. And but all you can do is your best. And, you know, not do someone else's best or follow what someone else does. And that's fashion too, you know? Fashion is a business. Fashion, like I, you know, Iris Outfeld just said, you can buy anything. You can buy fashion. You can't buy style. And that's where, you know, going back to the substance topic, style is substance. Style is your personality. Style is who you are. It's, it's not something you can buy. And that's what I'm trying to encourage women to also tap into on a style basis is we've all got it. There's tools to tap into it shoot me a DM. I'll give you some ideas. But we've all got our own style. Don't do what someone else is doing. Do what you want to do. You'll always feel better. Be comfortable in your own skin. You'll always have a spring in your step if you do what you want to do. Down to don't wear something because someone else is wearing it. Wear it because you want to. And it makes you feel good. It makes you feel good. Staying in your own lane is one of my favorite. Yeah expressions. You know, just yeah. stay in your own lane. Yeah. Don't worry about what everyone else is doing. That's right. If it feels right, makes you feel good. Yeah. You're doing your best. Yeah. Stay in your own lane. Yep. Run your own race. Do you follow Jay Shetty? Love him. Okay. And Jay Shetty just said, you have to be obsessed about something. I loved that. I about saw that creating, yesterday. Right. Whatever you're creating, dive in and be obsessed about it because then suddenly you don't even know what people are saying. You don't even care what people are saying. Because mm-hmm. you're with your creative obsession. And I love that. An obsession can have such bad connotations, but like, it's so true. So true. Wendy, you know, I could talk to you all day. (laughs) And (laughs) we've got so much more to cover. But I just want to take a beat with you right now before we finish up. It's a forced moment of mindfulness, (laughs) if you will. So taking a pause um, where we can, you can, Focus on your awareness, what you're sensing, what you're feeling in this very moment, right now. And if you're comfortable, would you share with me what you are feeling? Pure joy with you, Steph. And God, emotional. Just super grateful. You're going to make me cry. Yeah, it's just, um, God, too. I need to see you more. <laughs> I, I was thinking that. I need to be interview. around people like you more. And this will carry me. I feel overjoyed in this moment. And I'm so grateful you had me on your amazing new podcast. <laughs> Thank you. I can't reach and hug I you. <laughs> but I yeah. am. I'm so grateful for you as well. And I'm and I, the stars aligned this week for us to cross paths again and to be able to share these conversations again. And 
I'm sitting across from you right now feeling the exact same thing and so grateful. And there was so many takeaways today and beautiful things you said. And I think you give us such permission to be ourselves. I think you're, you're so inspirational. You're such a mentor to women. So are you. And so many other wonderful things I could say about you. But thank you for being here today. And I'm sure everyone listening at home will feel the same way. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining me. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Mindful Mess. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe and share from your favorite podcast platform. Mindful Mess is proudly sponsored by Medibank. You're only human and what an incredible human you are.